If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, 1 Samuel 23. This is another message in the Life of David series, but I hope to spend some time dwelling sort of as a sidestep, as a, I don't even want to really say it's a side note because it's a great lesson for us, but I wound up last week in the message talking to you about the God of all possibilities. You saw there in Keilah where David consulted with God and the Lord said, Saul will come, Keilah, the people of Keilah will give you up to him. And so David left. So David avoided that possibility. So God is the God of all possibilities. And I concluded last week primarily making an application of that to what we experience here as a church. You know, this is not something that is guaranteed for us. Peace and fellowship and the truth and the comfort of the gospel. It's not guaranteed. We don't have something in writing that says we'll absolutely always have it. We'll absolutely always have peace. No, life is like a roller coaster and it's just up and down, up and down, curves and you know, flipping you around here and there. And that's exactly what we see here with David. As we read in verse 13... You're going to see that David leaves Keilah. He avoids the possibility. And I want to speak to you about strengthening each other in God. That's the message today. Strengthening each other in God. Let's read in verse 13. Then David and his men, which were about 600, notice they've risen from 400 now to 600. They arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbore to go forth. He did not go to Keilah. That possibility of him coming there did not happen because David left. David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood or in a forest. This is a different forest than the one that he was in a mile or so north of Keilah. And Jonathan, Saul's son. Now did, y'all read, did y'all read that with me or hear that? Saul has come to seek the life of David. And Jonathan, who is Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. The message is strengthening each other in God. And Jonathan says to David, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. Can you think back and think about how many covenants they've already made? (laughs) And David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Now, we want to read verse, a couple more verses, 19 and 20. Then, then came the Ziphites. You know, David is in a forest near Ziph. And the Ziphites come to Saul. These are, these are Israelites, okay? And they said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood and the hill of Hakilat, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. 
Now, once again, I point out, do you see how far off base Saul was? He is so far out of the will of God, he doesn't know if he's coming or going. And he is calling down a blessing from God on these Judas Iscariot Ziphites who, are, who said they will turn David over to him. So the point of that is, look at the contrast. Here is Jonathan strengthening the hand of David in God. And over here are David's own countrymen. And they're going to turn him over to Saul, who is so far out of the will of God. And Saul is praising God for them having compassion on him to turn David over to them. I tell you, that's just confusion and fear over there on the side of Saul. But look at David, the very son of the man who is seeking his life. This is a strange place to get encouragement from, is it not? The son of the man who is seeking his life comes to him and encourages him. It made me think of Ecclesiastes 7 and 14, which says this. Solomon wrote this. The son of David wrote this. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Now notice that does not say that God raises up the adversity that goes against the blessings that God brings. It makes me think of Joseph. You know, Joseph, he didn't, he didn't really do anything. I mean, he talked a little too much and he was, you know, under the pure, all things are pure. He was innocent in his talking. You know, he'd, he'd talk about things that God had done for him, like the dreams he had or whatever. And, and those were good dreams. Those were blessings from God. Those were days of prosperity for Joseph to get a, a, a vision from God. And then when he would share that vision, what happened? The brothers hated him. You see that? So the day of prosperity was set against the day of adversity. Don't ever forget that child of God. And I'm not saying you should live your life like, whoa, you know, the other shoe's going to fall at any minute. I don't, I don't mean that. You'll see that. That's not what this is teaching. But don't forget, life is a roller coaster. You're up, you're down, you're getting thrown for loops. You know, you're cruising on the, the fast track there. You know, sometimes it slows down. You understand life is a roller coaster. This is, an, a, this is an intense roller coaster ride that David is on. It's up, it's down, it's backwards, it's forwards. Somebody's trying to kill him and turn him over. He's asking God for help and the Lord delivers him. And then the, the son of the, the dethroned king is coming to give him encouragement. Don't ever forget that your day of prosperity when you are joyful is set against a day of adversity that is coming to you. Jesus said, as I've quoted so many times, John 16 and 33, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You see how that's set against the other? The world gives you tribulation, but you can be of good cheer because the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the world. That's what David is experiencing right here. He's thinking, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? And lo and behold, he's sitting in the woods one day and one of the scouts says, hey, there's somebody coming. Well, who is it? It's Jonathan. The son of the man who is trying to kill you. Now, some of us might have looked at that and said, hmm, I wonder if he's changed his mind. <laughs> is he coming to betray me now? But you know what David did? David knew Jonathan. He knew him. And he thought back to the covenants that they had made. He thought back to the sword and to the garment and to the, the things that Jonathan had given willingly to David to honor David for the victory over Goliath. He knew his friend. He knew his friend would not betray him even though he was the son 
of the dethroned king who was trying to kill him. And so the scouts let him through. And he comes to David. I want you to notice this. Let's look at verse 16. Jonathan knows better than anyone that Saul is trying to kill David. And it says that Jonathan arose. It's an interesting word. You know how I love the definitions. And I encourage you, if you ever say, well, I don't know where to start. or I don't know how to study the Bible. Just get you an old dictionary. And look at the meanings of these words. The, the definition of the word arose right here means to, to arise and to come on the scene. To investigate. That's notable, is it not? You know, Jonathan had heard where David was and the condition that he was in being hunted by his father. So Jonathan stirs himself up and he goes out to investigate. You know, he didn't just sit back and just say, oh, well, you know, David's having a tough time over there. I'll just sit back and wait till the storm blows over and then I'll go see him. <laughs> Look at Jonathan and think about us as a church. Think about your family, your church family. And think about, you hear so-and-so is sick or they're having trouble or they're having issues we should do like Jonathan. We should stir ourselves up to go to see what the problem is, to see if that person needs help. Do they need a friend? A lot of times we just say, oh, well, I, I don't want to get involved, you know. And I'm not talking about being a pest or being some kind of meddler. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being concerned. Do you think Jonathan was a pest or a meddler? His, his friend was in trouble and he wanted to go and help his friend. And so that's what he did. He stirred himself up to go. He arose. And then it says that he went. Jonathan Saul's son arose and went to David into the wood. This is such an interesting word. This is in the old Hebrew. But the pictograph, you know, the, the, the Hebrew language, it was a, a pictographic language. It carried a picture with it. Like you could visualize what somebody was saying when they used a certain word, you could visualize something in your mind. So the picture or the pictograph that is given here when it says that he went is a shepherd walking with a staff in the palm of his hand. And if you combine the words, it means a staff in the palm. A shepherd's staff in the palm of the hand. And the picture is of a nomad, you know, a nomadic shepherd or, a, or someone traveling on foot with a staff in their hand to provide support as they walked, well, Sam, I was thinking about you when you walked in with your staff here this morning. It made me think about this verse right here. And in these days when this was written, someone traveling on foot with a staff in their hand to provide support in walking as they go along, as well as a weapon to defend against predators or thieves. You get that picture in your mind? That's what it, that's, that is how Jonathan goes. <laughs> as a shepherd would go with a staff in his hand to support himself as he goes and to ward off thieves or predators as he goes. That is the mindset that Jonathan is going to see David. I tell you, we ought to feel that way towards one another. You know, I can't, I can't express to you adequately my heart towards you as a congregation when someone attacks you or when someone comes after you or when you suffer tragedy or when you, when you suffer things in the world at the hands of others. I, it just Sometimes I've even gotten mad. What happened to so-and-so? Oh my goodness! It just makes me want to grab my staff and go and defend that person. 
That's how Jonathan feels towards David. I tell you, this is a true friend. This is a great example of how we ought to feel towards one another. Some folks, when they hear somebody gets in trouble or something bad happens, they go, well, you know, they probably deserved it. That's the way some folks think. You know, there's been a few times in my life when maybe I lost this particular argument or this motion or this court case, and then, you know, this person won, and then I would hear later, you know, and I just knew they were way off base, but they won anyway. And so then I would hear later that they lost in something. And my natural self wants to go, serves them right. That's my nature. But you know what? I think of a verse of Scripture in the book of Proverbs that says to not rejoice over your enemy when he falls. So you know what I do? In those moments when I'm tempted by my nature to say, serves them right, I bow my head and I say, God be with them. God be with them. Now, if God tells us to do that with an enemy, does it not stand to reason that we should do that with our friends? That's how we ought to be looking at each other. We ought to be stirred up when something happens to one of us, to one of our family members, to one of our friends, to one of our church family. It ought to stir us up. So I'll come to your defense. I'll help you. What do you need? I want to I intervene and intercede and, and shield you from that. Now, you know, when somebody dies, I've been to, to homes and places, funeral homes, so many times when somebody dies. And in my heart of hearts, I just, I wish I could take away that pain, but I just don't have that ability. I can go and I can be there and I can pray if called upon to pray and I can say comforting words if called upon to say comforting words, but I just can't take away the sting of that death, you know, but there's one who can and I can talk about that one who can and I can talk about that one who will reunite those once again. So Jonathan arose and he went the picture of a shepherd going with his staff to not only support himself and defend himself, but defend and support the one that he's going to see. When the world attacks us, and it will, when the temptations come after us, we should be standing at the ready to arise and, and go and strengthen one another. It says that he arose, he went, into the wood. Notice that. That's the key too. He went into the place where David was. He was willing to go sneak away from the army and the legions of his father and enter secretly like, a, like he's on a secret mission. He is on a secret mission. He's like a secret agent. And he goes into the wood. He doesn't make a big to-do about it. He just goes into the place where David was. Child of grace, are, are we willing to go into the place where each other is or are. <laughs> I don't know which one's the correct English on that. We'll have to ask Sister Page later. But are we willing to go where each other, where we are in those situations when they come up? That's what Jonathan was willing to do, to go into those places to strengthen the hand of his friend. And he said unto him, Fear not, fear not. It says that Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God. You know, I could come to you and I could say, Hang on, you know, tie another knot in the bottom of your rope and things will get better. You know, those are all kind of trite things, aren't they? Jonathan did just go and strengthen his hand. He strengthened his hand in God. You see that? The word strengthen right there means to grab hold tightly, to fasten upon, to seize, to support by grabbing hold. It also means to grow stout or to grow rigid. It made me think of someone you know, who works out their muscles and they, they get tight. You know, they get bowed up with their muscles. They work themselves out and they get all bowed up. 
When you think of being strengthened in this way, it can literally mean to strengthen your muscles and to grow tight. You know, strengthen your muscles to the degree that they grow tight, that they increase in their power. That's what Jonathan is going to do. He's going to seize David and to help him be lifted back up because he's out here in this wood being chased by Saul. You know, Jude, the first chapter, well, there is only one chapter in Jude, but in the 21st verse, this is what Jude says, and it made me think of this. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice, that's a possibility. Keep yourself in the love of God. You have to make yourself at times stay in the love of God or you'll wander off in places that you don't need to be. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The image here is going and grabbing a hold of someone and said, hey, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on with you? Don't do this. You know, that's a situation where you might just have to grab someone like Jonathan goes and he grabs David. And he says, hey, fear not. And then there's other times when you might just have to sidle up to somebody and just put your arm around them. Hey, say, hey, what's what's going on? Are you OK? You say, well, what's the difference? You got to know who you're dealing with. You got to know the person <laughs> you see. So how did Jonathan strengthen David? The commentary from John Gill says that he strengthened him in the word of the Lord. So he didn't just say, hey, everything's going to get better, man. Just hang in there. He strengthened him in the word of the Lord. If there's anything that I can do for you as your pastor, if there's anything that I can do, do for you, it, it, the least thing that I want to do for you is to strengthen you in the word of the Lord. I don't want to give you my opinion. I don't want to give you my thoughts. I want to cling to the Word of God and follow the Word of God and share that with you because I know, according to the Word of God, that is the best thing for you. So what's the best thing for David? Jonathan goes and strengthens him in the Word of the Lord. Look what he says. Fear not. David, calm down. Fear not. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. There's a shall right there. We like the shalls and the wills of the Scripture, don't we? For he shall save his people from their sins. You see, we love those shalls. Here's a shall. And it's coming from the strangest of sources, is it not? It's coming from the son of the man that is trying to kill David. My father shall not catch you. You shall not fall by the hand of Saul, my father. And thou shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next unto thee. That's a sad one right there, isn't it? If you know anything about the history of Israel and the history of David. That's a very sad foreshadowing. But you see the heart of Jonathan, right? He says, I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. You see, Jonathan would have been in line to be the next king. And here he's saying, David, I know you're going to be king and I will be next to you. And they too made another covenant. If you've been counting the covenants, best I can tell, this is the third covenant that David and Jonathan make. And sadly, it's also the last. Now, the covenant that they made right here, it, it bears just mentioning. The definition of the word covenant is made by passing between two pieces of flesh or two dead animals or an animal that has been split in two. It may make you think about Abraham and the Lord Jehovah 
when the Lord Jehovah appeared to Abraham and Abraham woke up from a sleep and he saw, he says it was, it was a horror, really. And he sees the Lord passing through the, the pieces of a dead animal that, that Abraham had just sacrificed. The lamb, you know, he, it had been cut in half. Some was here, some was there. And he saw the smoke of God walking through, walking between the two pieces of the dead animal. He said, what in the world does that mean? It means this, at least. It probably means a lot more. But it at least means that when God makes a covenant, that nothing but death could ever separate him from what the covenant is. And when it comes to God, even death did not separate him from his covenant. You see, his son died. But when it comes to us, this could be a covenant of friendship. It could be a covenant of marriage. You know what? It could even be a peace treaty. An animal was sacrificed. The pieces of the animal were set on both sides. And the parties would walk between the two pieces saying this, nothing but death can stop this covenant or end this covenant. Nothing but death. And again, when it comes to God, not even death stopped his covenant. So this is another covenant that David and Jonathan make. Sadly, it's nearing the end of Jonathan's life. They make a new covenant of friendship and they make it with each other. A child of God, whether you realize it or not, when you believe the truth, follow the Lord, serve the Lord, you're making a covenant with God. When you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the, of the Holy Ghost, you're making a covenant with God. You know, you say, well, I thought it was with the church. Well, the church sees it, but you're, you are saying to the Lord, I, I believe that you've died for my sins. I love you, Lord, and I'm committing myself. I'm promising to follow you no matter what happens. Jesus said in John 15 and 13, he said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jonathan is doing with David. Ephesians 4 and 29 you say, how do we encourage one another in the Lord? Listen to what he says, Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. That's what Jonathan did with David when he went out there. That's what we should do with one another. And grieve not. Notice, notice he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You say, I didn't know that we could bring grief to God. This says you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that God has put in you when He born you again has taken up residence forever in your heart. And the things that we say or do at times can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's when your conscience begins to convict you. And you begin to think, oh my goodness, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way or whatever. That's the Holy Spirit within us being grieved. It's like the Lord's up there going, I can't believe Tim just said that. I can't believe he just did that. Am, am, I, am I preaching to the wall here? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do y'all ever feel that way? I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't. What about this? I wish I hadn't thought that. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Somebody says, well, I just, I, you know, I just can't forgive. I just can't figure out how to do that. You forgive because you've been forgiven of your sins. You see, that's how you do it. You say, well, that person did this to me and they said that to me and they, they acted this way and whatever. And you keep your eyes on that, you'll never be able to forgive. But when you get your eyes a little bit higher and you see what you did to God and what, how you offended Him and how you went against the will of God and you think He forgave me, then there's nothing that I can't forgive. Nothing. 
And if you don't do that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. He says, be ye kind. The word kind means to be useful. Useful. Don't we want to be useful? As I'm getting older, I'm thinking, am I really any use to anybody anymore? <laughs> I'm not asking for sympathy, but I often sit around and I think, you know, I don't have a YouTube channel. And I don't have some gigantic following on, you know, on the social media. And, 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 part, and I look at that and I think, you know, am I really useful to anybody? Because I'm not in that scene. I'm not in that vein. <laughs> You know, that's the way I, sometimes I think that way. And then I come back, you know, to the, to the basics, to the truth, to the covenant of God. And I think, you know, I hope and pray that in some way that I can be useful to someone. I don't want to be a detriment to anyone. I want to be useful in the sense of sharing the word of God with God's people. See, I can bring you good news because I've got the word of God. You say, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how to act. I don't know what to say, but I can bring to you the word of God and you will know what to do. You will know where to turn. You will know how to act and you will know what to say. That's what Jonathan did to David. He strengthened his hand in the Lord. Galatians 5 and 13 says, for brethren, you've been called the liberty. You've got freedom in, in, the, in the sacrifice of Christ. But don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Thou sh for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Is there something that we need? It's love towards one another. And I'm not talking about some you know, goosebumpy type feeling. I'm talking about laying down your life and sacrifice one to another. What can I do for you? How can I be useful to you? Last week I was thinking as I was preaching about the God of all possibilities. You know, it's possible that you could pick up the phone and call someone next week and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Now be truthful. I mean, don't just, if you're calling them, you got to be thinking about them, right? I mean, it doesn't just, it's not just magic out of the air. If you're calling them, you got to be thinking about them. But you, there's a possibility that you could call someone next week or multiple people. It's easy to do that. And just say, hey, I'm checking in on you. How you doing? I do that all the time as a pastor. I, I, you know, from one standpoint, I know I preach about how these things can certainly overtake you and you become addicted to these things, but they sure do make it easy to reach out to people. Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. As a matter of fact, there's a couple brothers. Uh, well, one sitting right here, if he's away, nine times out of ten, I'm going to text him and say, hey, on Sunday morning, I'm praying for you, brother. I know you're preaching in such and such place. And there's a couple other brothers that I text them on a regular basis, and I just say, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. And I mean it. I am praying for them. That's a possibility for you next week. You could reach out to every person around you that you sit near. Or you could reach out to every person that you know. You say, well, what about that person? I don't know their name. Then get to know their name. And just say, hey, look, I'm sorry. I, I just hadn't met you yet. What's your name? And if they've been coming here for 15 years, it's shame on you. <laughs> I just had to throw that one in there. You have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. When I see that, it makes me think of these buzzards that I see that I always have to dodge with my car. These buzzards will come down to feed on some flesh that's died on the road, some animal. And then I always say, which way is it going to go? Right, left? Because you don't want to hit a buzzard. I mean, hit any kind of bird possible, but don't hit a buzzard. They're nasty. And I'm thinking, is this bird, you know, am I going to hit it? And they're just down there just eating flesh. Just, they just come back and they just bite and devour, bite and devour, bite. And they fly away. Here comes a car. And they come back and bite and devour, bite and devour until the flesh is gone. 
That's what he's saying here. He says, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. You'll bite and devour one another until there's nothing left. There's nothing left of the church of God. There's nothing left of the people of God. And you'll look back and say, well, what happened? The buzzards just bite and devour. Bite and devour. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. Jonathan arose... Jonathan went, and Jonathan strengthened. Child of God, we are like nomads, like strangers traveling on foot with each other to provide support as we walk along, as well as to provide weapons of defense against predators and thieves as we go along. Will you walk with each other? Will you come to each other's aid? And will you defend one another? As Jonathan said to David, I say to you here this morning, fear not, for the hand of the enemy shall not find thee. And you are kings and priests. And as best as I possibly can, I shall be next unto you. Until the Lord takes me out of this world, I shall be next unto you. I shall be beside you. And Satan knows that you will not be delivered into his hand. May God bless us to arise, to go, and to strengthen one another.